Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Amen. We live by what God says, and I'm so glad you're here with us tonight to hear the Word of the Lord. I believe I've got a great Word for us. All of you that are watching online, if you've got your Bible, would you turn to the book of Deuteronomy? And you may be seated. And before I uh, get to reading the text, Pastor Alex, thank you. Thank you, Paul. And uh, I think that's Stu in there. Thank you so much for serving tonight. And those of you that served at the Blessed Coffee Shop, how? Thank you so much. <clears throat> so I'm going to share with you tonight uh, about a, a few, we're going to look at two different scriptures that mirror each other in the book of Deuteronomy. And we'll get there in just a moment. And we're going to look at those. I'm going to do a little background to the text that we're going to read. Then we're going to read our text. Then we're going to, then we're going to look at uh, why this text is where it is and why I believe God, what I believe God is speaking to us because I believe it's profound and it's uh, what I believe God has for us. So let's pray and then I'm going to uh, tell you a little story of one of my children and I, I'm sure they're all sweating bullets right now. Father, we thank you, God, for your word. We live by what you say. We thank you, God, you're going to speak to us today. Lord, I pray for ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Lord, I pray for an anointing that I might share, God, what you've dropped in my heart with all those that are listening right now and at a later date. May the word of the Lord come forth in power. In Jesus' name, amen. I like to take my kids on adventures and so I uh, decided when Easton, who is my oldest son, now Emmeline is the oldest, but Easton is uh, not the oldest, but he's the second, but he's the oldest son. So when Easton was going to turn five, I decided it was a landmark uh, step in his development. And I wanted to integrally, integrally, or progressively, is probably a better word, every five years or so, take my sons on a little bit more strenuous hike and let them lead and let them be participants in it. And uh, so I, I take Easton on this hike. We lived on the island of Maui. And it was my intention. What I was going to do was take him on this kind of rigorous hike across these lava fields to this remote beach it's only about three miles, but the trail is really strenuous, especially for a five-year-old whose legs are about this long, right? And so when we got there, I was going to have a heart-to-heart -heart discussion with my son. And I was going to look him right in the eyes. He's back there running media. I'm so, so proud of him tonight. But I was going to look him in the eyes and just tell him manly things, and, you know, just elevate his manliness and his understanding of manliness. And, yeah, son. So we go on this hike, and we get down to the beach. It's so beautiful. And if you've ever been there, we had gone down the King's Trail at La Perouse. And a lot of people that have gone on, with, on that hike with me have called it the I Hate Rocks hike because by the end of it you you hate rocks you don't ever want to see them ever again 
So here we are. I'm sitting down by my son. He's sitting over there, and we're, we're, we're opening up our backpacks. And, you know, Minister Kimmy had packed us some snacks and some water and going to make sure we're well taken care of. And the moment had come where I was going to have this heart-to-heart with my now five-year-old young man. And so I, I'm looking at him in the eye, and, and he's looking at me, and I'm just I'm, I'm pouring out my heart to him, looking at him, son, this and that, and God's got great plans for you. You're going to be a great man. You're going to be a great dad. I mean, I'm just really pouring it out, looking intently right into his face. And so then I pause to let him speak. And you'll never believe the profound, profound statement that came out of his mouth. Dad, are you going to eat your Chewy bar? That's what he said. After all of that, I don't even think he was listening to me. Dad, are you going to eat your Chewy bar? He's focused on the Chewy bar. I don't think anything has changed Ten years later, um, my kids have an affinity for treats in our house. We have kitchen hours in our house. Fasten your seatbelt, Pastor Alex. The kitchen hours are coming. All right. Well, that, that little story there leads me to, it brought me to a realization. We won't, we won't, we, we weren't both there and thinking about the same thing at the same time. We weren't on the same page, as you might say, in our own colloquialisms. You know, I I had an intent, and he wasn't on the same page. He was focused on the chewy bar. And it makes me wonder if ever God's trying to talk to us, and we're worried about the chewy bars, right? God set us up for a heart-to-heart. He has set us up to hear revelation and look him right in the eye and hear what he's got. And we're wondering, what about the chewy bars? You ever wonder if maybe you missed it or you weren't on the same page like that? God's trying to do something and you're thinking about something else. Today we're going to look at a text of scripture that is absolutely profound. And if God will help me, I will bring about what it is that that he's been speaking to me about to you. So would you take your Bible and in the same way of that little story there with that theme there of maybe missing the whole thing, I want you to look at two sets of scriptures that are similar. It's Deuteronomy, let's start with chapter 8, and we're going to look at verse 2. I'm reading from the NIV. It says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you. And to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. Verse 3, he humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, okay, and your feet did not swell during these, how long? 40 years. I'm going to read that last scripture again. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Now take a look at chapter 29. I cheated. I have sticky notes to help me flip faster. 
Chapter 29, now look at verse two again. Moses summoned all the Israelites and said to them, your eyes have seen all that the Lord did in Egypt to Pharaoh, to all his officials and to all his land. With your own eyes you saw those great trials, those miraculous signs and great wonders, but to this day the Lord has not given you a mind that understands or eyes to that see or ears that hear. During the 40 years, I'm emphasizing that on purpose, during the 40 years that I led you through the desert, your clothes did not wear out, nor did the sandals on your feet. You ate no bread and drank no wine or other fermented drink. I did this so that you might know that I am the Lord your God. I'm gonna pray again. Father, speak clearly in Jesus' name. Let me back you up. And let's kind of catch you up. If you're not familiar with the story, I'm going to take just a moment to catch you up with what the book of Deuteronomy is about. It's the fifth book of the Bible. Moses wrote the first five. We call them the Pentateuch. And they, uh, the book of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy all uh, chronicle the journey that Moses led the children of Israel from coming out of Egypt to the promised land. That's the whole thing in one short little statement. All throughout this journey, the Lord was in the process of revealing who he was to the children of Israel. They were in Egypt, in slavery. Maybe you remember the story. Maybe you've never read these stories before. You need to. And they they were in slavery for 400 years, through Moses and the plagues and all of the signs and wonders, they're delivered. Let's walk through it real quick and catch us up to Deuteronomy. So they leave, they're in the desert, they cross the Red Sea in a miraculous fashion. God destroyed all Pharaoh's armies and Pharaoh in one smashing moment when the sea collapsed behind them. And then they go through the desert to the promised land. God leads them with a cloud by day, fire by night, rains down food from heaven they don't even have to work for. Okay, He establishes the law and the, the, the uh, sacrificial system, the tabernacle while they're in the desert there. They come in the book, we get up to, uh, you know, as we're leading up to when they're gonna cross the Jordan, we have the amazing things that we, I hope you're familiar with, like, God brought forth water from the rock and God made the bitter water sweet and all these fantastic signs and wonders. And they get to the Jordan River and they send spies out to the land and the spies come back and they can't go in because too many spies convince everyone it can't be done. Only two of the spies had a good report and faith. Every, the other spies, with their report, convinced the whole nation that it couldn't be done. And God pronounces, when that happens, God pronounces none of this generation except for Caleb and Joshua will get to see the promised land. He's gonna make them suffer in the desert the very things that they said would happen. So for how long? 40 years, a nation of people, uh, could be somewhere around 2 million people with all their animals and all their possessions are wandering around, following the cloud by day, and, and you know Moses with the trumpets, and for 40 years, a generation 
passes away and a new generation is rising up that God is going to bring into the promised land. Now, the book of Deuteronomy, interestingly enough, is Moses' summation of everything that's happened. It's a summary. And he recounts everything that's happened to them. The battles, the miracles, the whining, the complaining, the calf that they all worshiped, God's judgments, the people that rebelled and the ground swallowed them up, and all of the things that had happened, the blessings and God bringing victory over Sihon and uh, over Og and all these other guys. And so he recounts everything, and we read this scripture here, both of these, and what jumped out of me that I want to present to you is you don't find these scriptures in the book of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. You don't find the phrases, your feet didn't wear out and your clothes didn't wear out. And it's significant to me, and I hope I can express to you why that is. So you've got Moses here. And because he didn't speak to the rock when God told him to, they actually approached the rock of Horeb twice. The first time God told him, strike it with the staff, he struck it, water comes out. The second time they went back to that rock, God told him, don't hit it with the stick, speak to it and make it come out. He walks up, gets mad at the people, smacks the rock, and the Lord on that action uh you know, disqualified him from going to the promised land because he didn't obey. So here we are. Moses knows he's not going to the promised land. They're on the verge of crossing over. And this is his last moment to speak to them. So he, in the book of Deuteronomy, it's full of a whole bunch of if then, if then. He's pronounced, he's reminding them of the covenant that God is making with them. This is his last chance to plead with them, reminding them of everything that's happened and say, please, please follow the Lord. And yet we have this sandals and clothes thing that was never mentioned in the other books. Moses in his summation listed all these things that we've already read before, but not this one. And I think it's significant because it's at the end of Moses' life. And, and I want to share with you here, first of all, it's an amazing miracle that he's talking about. All the other miracles are something that happened instantly. Poof, it happened, it's over, we're moving on. That was awesome, did you see that? This is not one of those. This is something that happened continuously for 40 years. What exactly did it look like? You have a generational change, but their clothes didn't wear out. I don't know about you that are parents. If you've had the joy of buying larger shoes a week after you bought the last pair, not because they wore out, but because their toes are now sticking out of the size 11s that you just bought your son, and now they jumped size 12, and now they need size 13s. Looking at the guy in the media booth back there. Somehow he grew an extra whatever. All the parents know what that's like. All of a sudden their kids walk out with their pajamas on, and you're like, what happened? Right? I know. Yeah. So, uh, so here they are. What did they look like? 
I don't know exactly what that looked like, but the word declares nothing wore out. Did their shoes grow with their feet? Did their clothes, like they fell down and, and they did something miraculously heal when it got torn or something? Did the shoes stretch with the little guy's feet the older they got? Great questions. Did the waist stretch? For those that needed a stretch in the waist, the older they got. I mean, they're like little ones, and they're getting bigger. What exactly did that look like? Great question. Bible doesn't say what it's like, but that it did happen. The placement in the story, it's at the end of the journey, and Moses is now declaring to them because he... I honestly think he was kind of excited that it's at the end, and he doesn't have to listen to their complaining anymore. That may have been better than going to the promised land. Thank God it's coming to an end, and I don't have to listen to all this complaining anymore. There's no more room for Moses to hear their complaining, so he's basically going to let them have it right here. All right, everybody, I'm going to tell you like it is. So this is his most assertive, most pleading, right in their face. Let me tell you what we've been doing here. And then he has this statement, your clothes didn't wear out, your feet didn't get sore, and your shoes didn't wear out. Moses was speaking to their perspective of who God was and what he was capable of doing. In his pleading for them, he's speaking directly to the way they see him. Not necessarily what he's done other than to give them a clear definition, again, of who he is. God, throughout these stories, is demonstrating to them who he is. He wants Israel to see him in the, in the many ways, the protector, the victor, fighter of battles, the, the giver of peace, and the provider, the splitter of the waters. He wants them to see, and then we have this story here, because uh, their perspective was his uh, you know, the placement of this at the end. Their, the perspective of Israel throughout these stories, I mentioned they complain a lot. And if you've ever read through there, you know Moses gets fed up with them because they just keep complaining. See, their, their total focus was on their personal needs. Their focus of everything they said to Moses had to do with their own need. And yet here God, uh, here Moses is telling them, he was meeting your needs the whole time and you didn't even see it. Did you even notice your clothes didn't wear out and your feet? For 40 years, it's at the end of the story. In other words, he's giving them hindsight of looking back to notice something that God was doing so amazing and they never even noticed it. Did you even notice your shoes didn't wear out? Their perspective is on uh, the perspective of Israel. Let's talk about what it was that, they, that kept getting challenged. See, Israel had a preconceived notion of what they thought God should be doing. What, they, what he should be providing for them and how he should be doing it. Whenever they were complaining, what was it they were complaining about? Their basic needs. And if God wasn't gonna do for them their basic needs, they wanted to go back to Egypt where their needs were going to be met. Their whole perspective and their definition of who God was was based on whether or not they had some fresh leeks to eat. 
or onions or as my children like, broccoli. All of my children love broccoli. Don't ask them. I'll tell you. Their perspective throughout all these stories was what they thought God should be doing and how he should be doing it. And God the whole time's trying to change their perspective. No, no, no. You don't have the right perspective and perception. I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to do this instead. I want to uh, turn your attention to their, uh, not only not only did they always declare we need our needs met, super need focused, I need, I need, and God's not doing it, so send me back. But they were also hung up on disappointment. They were super hung up over and over again because God wasn't doing what they thought he should be doing. Disappointment came into their life and, and changed their whole perspective. So get this. God didn't do it like they thought, when they thought, the way they thought he should. So now they're disappointed in God and they want to go back to Egypt. Now, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, you need to go home and read all these uh, Exodus through Deuteronomy. And why is this scripture significant? It's because 40 years went by and they didn't even notice they had the same pair of shoes on and it never wore out. They were so consumed with their own need and their own perception of what they thought God should be doing, they totally missed what he was already doing. And God at the end of the whole, or Moses at the end of the whole journey in his final dissertation is saying, did you even notice? Did you even see what he was doing? 40 years had come by. That is not mentioned anywhere in those 40 years until the end. Did they even see what he was doing? Or were they so hung up in their own disappointment that they missed him for 40 years? Not a moment, not one day, and somebody told him, hey, did you? 40 years went by. And Moses tells them, guys, your clothes didn't even wear out. That's amazing that they could miss it. I want to take you uh, take a look at uh, the scripture, Deuteronomy 29 again. It's verse uh, 2 through 6. And uh, we read this, but I want to just highlight 5 and 6. During the, there it is, 40 years that I led you through the desert, your clothes did not wear out, nor did the sandals on your feet. And then it has, it's coupled with this interesting uh, little phrase, this little you know scripture here. You ate no bread and drank no wine or other fermented drink. I did this. I did this. I did this. Two things I want to point out here. First of all, why would it mention? Why would Moses say here? You can leave that up, please. Well, you ate no bread and wine and fermented drink. Why would that be in there? So again, he's reminding him, reminding them that God provided, you know, manna, quail, but he is telling them, you ate no bread, drank no wine, or other fermented drink, because they had a perception they couldn't make it, you know, without these specific things. They had a checklist of what was required for them to get to the promised land. 
And that's why this is so significant, coupled with this, this uh, statements about the sandals and the clothes. Because again, they had a preconceived checklist that they are going to have, for us to get to the promised land, we're going to have to have tons of bread. We're going to have to have some wine. We're going to have to have some other things, all these basic necessities. Again, Moses is bringing to their attention that they're, the things they thought they needed, they didn't really need. He's challenging their thinking as to what they thought they could make it with or without. And he's telling them what you really needed was the Lord God. You were focused on leeks and bread, but what you really needed was God, the living God, who's done all these things and you didn't see you needed him. Look at the rest of that Verse six, I did this so that you might know that I am the Lord your God. The same thing he's done from the very beginning, Moses is reminding them of. And it makes us ask ourselves, what is God doing right now so that we might know he is the Lord our God? This, you know, little passage of scriptures hits home with me about what am I really looking at? What is it that gives me a definition of who God is and what he's doing? Is it my dinner table? Is it my, the gas in my car? If the tank is full in my, in my truck, somehow I believe God's on the throne. But if it's on empty, somehow God's not on the throne. What about my bank account? You know, I have a, we all have some sort of imaginary checklist that if these things are checked, God's on the throne, he's the living God. But if they're not checked, somehow God's not on the throne. And, uh, you know, maybe, you know, we'll, we'll try that again next week. It's like people that give in an offering like it's the lottery. I'm going to give a dollar, and if a dollar shows up tomorrow, I'll do it again. Now, I'm just picking a dollar out of thin air. If a dollar's all you got and you gave it all, the Lord will bless you the same way he pointed out the lady who gave everything. Look at that lady over there. She gave all her, you know, her, she gave everything that she had and the Lord honored her. But what I am bringing out is there's people that treat giving like it's the lottery. Like I'm gonna give something and then stand there and wait till God does something, then I'll give again. You know, there's people that live like that. I'm gonna pray and if God doesn't answer, well, it doesn't work. I'll, I'll try it again some other time. Well, God didn't answer my prayer. I told you prayer didn't work. I don't know why those people go down there to get up early and pray. I prayed and God didn't do anything. You, you got to wonder what your imaginary checklist is about whether or not God, who God is and what he can do and what he is doing. I'll tell you what he's doing. He's revealing himself to you in dynamic, powerful ways because he desperately wants you to know him, to know his goodness, his kindness, his nature, his character, to hear his voice. And if the only thing that defines him is your checklist that you dreamed up yourself, you got a shallow definition of the living God. The Israelites thought they needed bread, wine and all these things, what they really needed was him. He was their sustainer. 
God is speaking to us. Well, first of all, Pastor Kirsten, did God not care about their needs? Yes, God cared about their needs. But he didn't want their only definition of him to be based on whether or not their needs were met. He wanted them to have a definition of him that would be the same whether or not they had their leeks and pancakes and gas in their tank or the bank accounts got enough for all the bills. See, he wants to have a definition from, he wants us to have a definition and a perspective of who he is apart from our needs. He cares about our needs. He de- Jesus declared over and over in the, in the New Testament, cast all your cares on me, I care for you. Hey, he's our need meter. We go to him in prayer. But there's so much more to the living God than our needs. So God is speaking to us. I've got a few things here. First of all, enlarge your perspective. Get a bigger perspective. God is working right now. He is doing amazing things right now in your life. Do you see it? Or is it like the shoes and sandals you won't notice till somebody 40 years from now tells you, did you even see what he was doing? Get a bigger perspective. Begin to ask God to open your eyes to what he's doing right now, that you might see his goodness and kindness to you. A perspective that isn't solely based on whether or not your checklist is met, but on who he is. Do you know him that way? There's no way you can know the living God unless you're a person of prayer. Did you know that prayer is the means by which we can know him? We can know him. We can commune with him. We can talk with him. He designed it that way. That's why he created prayer. What is he doing right now so that you might know him? That's the question to ask yourself. What is he doing right now? Am I missing what he's doing? Am I missing the amazing right now? Because I'm looking at what my bank account is, or I got a flat tire today, or I don't have my tires changed over. There's like a foot of snow outside already. Or I don't have my plow ready, or my whatever it is. Is 40 years going to pass by and you miss all he was doing along? Ask God to open your eyes. So enlarge your perspective. The next thing is uh, focus on God's goodness and not your needs. How is that even possible? All right. So take a look at what the Apostle Paul writes in the New Testament. So Colossians 3, if you got your Bible, take a look at Colossians 3. Uh, Verse 1, it says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Your perspective has got to be on Jesus. Same thing, the writer of Hebrews uh, mirrors this in chapter 12, verse 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. What is it that you're paying attention to? Jesus. I got my eyes on Jesus. Everything else looks crazy. I got my eyes on Jesus. The news people are saying this. I got my eyes on Jesus. I'm putting my eyes on him. 
Life looks different when you focus on God's goodness instead of your needs. God looks different when you focus on his goodness instead of your needs. That's what he was trying to get across to the children of Israel. I'm everything you need. Don't miss it. We cannot interpret uh, our God by our disappointments. Now listen, listen, listen. I got just a few minutes left. Quick story, picking on Easton tonight. He loves chickens. And he loves birds of all kinds, okay? But he loves chickens. And so we were... Uh, we got some new chickens, and we got them as little babies, and now they're a little bigger, and uh, we've lost some chickens along the way. Anybody that's had chickens knows you're going to lose some chickens along the way. Well, it's a big disappointment to him when a chicken dies. Well, we had this one particular uh, pullet. That's a young chicken. It's not a chick anymore. He's getting his feathers or whatever, and so it came down with some kind of disease, and it was suffering, and we're watching it, and we're like, oh, man, something inside us hurt. Okay, I'm not, you know, <clears throat> chickens are not my favorite animal in the whole world. But when I saw this animal suffering, it couldn't walk and it couldn't get to the water and whatever, food. Something inside me hurt. We all have, know what that feels like. Uh, when, we, when we experience a tragedy or we see something that we didn't want to happen, you know, a passing of a loved one, or somebody's in the hospital, or whatever, we hurt on the inside. You know what that is? You know what that is? It's a longing for a place where what you see will never happen. The disappointment that you're feeling when you see an animal suffering or whatever, you long for a place where no animal will ever suffer. In fact, you long for a place where you will never suffer, where you'll never have to cry again, where there will never be any more disappointments. You are going to face disappointments in this life. You know why? Because we live in a place where everything falls apart. Everything falls apart on this planet. And you long for a place where nothing falls apart. Nothing ever dies. Nothing ever changes. It's inside you. It's been inside you since the Garden of Eden. What you're really longing for is to go back to the Garden of Eden. Ever since Adam and Eve were removed from the Garden, there has been a longing and a desire inside people. They don't know how to say it, but it's to go back to the Garden, a place where there's no sadness, no sickness, everything is perfect. We all want to go back there. And when something happens that we don't like, we realize we're not back in the Garden of Eden and we're disappointed. You can't let that be your definition of who God is. We're the ones that are outside the Garden of Eden. But I've got good news. You can have the Garden of Eden on the inside, even if you're not in it on the outside. The Garden of Eden was the place of perfection where God walked and talked with Adam and Eve. And we're not living there now, but you can live there on the inside. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you supersedes any disappointment you could face if he's living in you. Again, you can have the Garden of Eden in you, and you can have Jesus walking and talking and communing with you on the inside. The Bible makes it clear all of creation is groaning all of creation, the trees, 
animals, everything that God made is groaning and waiting to go back to that place. Even the animals are groaning to go back to that place. And so are we. You can have it again. Not on this physical earth. I mean, not the earth, not physically, but spiritually on the inside. When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you become alive again on the inside. You can hear him talking to you. You can commune with him. It's back to the garden. So we cannot interpret God by our disappointments. So I'm, I'm on uh, focus on God's goodness instead of our needs. The last thing I wanted to express to us is express thankfulness of what you see and what you can't see. See, even today, God did things for you to sustain you and keep you that you didn't even notice that he did. Uh, uh, thankfulness, gratitude should be normal coming out of our language, out of our home, out of our life group, out of our ministry team, out of our personal life. What comes out of our mouth is gratitude. It's a sign of knowing God. Thankfulness as a sign of knowing God, knowing he's at work, knowing he's doing more than you can see, knowing that his plans are good, and you thank him for it. Thankfulness, express thankful Praise and thanksgiving should be common in our, in our prayer. Here's the great news. God is at work even if you can't see what he's doing. Just like they never noticed the, the, the shoes not wearing out and the clothes not wearing out, God's doing the amazing today. Now, don't go home and say, Lord, if you're real, I want to make sure these shoes don't wear out for 40 years. That's not what I'm saying. What is he doing? That's for you and him to come to a conclusion about. He's doing things here in our church. He's doing things up on the, up on the hill in that building project. He's doing things in our prayer meetings, in our life groups and teams. He's doing things through giving, the people giving in this house. Just look at the project exec numbers. It's amazing. He's doing things today that you might know him. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? And I hope I shared something that stirred inside you and gave you hope and puts a yearning in you to know the living God, to know what he's doing, to have his perspective, and to have a different perception of who he is. He's the great and awesome God. Pastor Alex, if you could play. We're going to take time, and even just right now, I want you to begin to thank him for what you did see him do today what he's doing right now, you know, maybe this week, something that happened, and then also begin to thank him for things you didn't see him do. Expressing that in faith, you know he's doing things you can't see. Father, I thank you, God. You are at work. You did things today I would ne I'll never know about till I stand in front of you. You are the great God. You're working. You're orchestrating. You're directing my steps. You're causing things to happen for my good. All your plans are good. Not one plan, not one thought, not one motive in your heart has ever been wrong or dark or bad. They're all good. Your timing is good. 
your timing is good. Oh Lord, I thank you, God, that you're working things out for my, what you call best. Lord, I have a definition of what I would think best would be. But God, you are doing something that you call best. So Lord, go for it. What you call best. I take this checklist that that I've used to define who you are and how you should do things. And Lord, I set it aside. Would you be the living God? Would you be wise? And would you be powerful? Would you be creative in how you're going to do things? I give you permission. Lord, we give you permission today to work in the way you want to work. Lord, open our eyes to see. Open our eyes to see what you're doing right now in our life, in our family, in our business. God, you're at work. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you're doing. We don't want to miss the amazing things you're doing right now to show us who you are and how you operate, your wonders, your beauty. God, you're doing things now that we might see you in a significant way. And we thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, God. You might be watching and you don't know what I was talking about earlier when I said when you receive Jesus, you can have the Garden of Eden on the inside very clearly. The Bible makes it clear that we are separated from God. and that There's a distance between us and it's caused by sin. And that God loves, and we can't save ourselves, but God loves us so much that he made a way for that distance to be closed, for sin to be gone, paid for, and that we could live with him and have eternal life. And it could start today. It's by receiving his gift for us. He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross and to take the punishment for your sin and my sin. And so he died on the cross. He didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead taking the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And when you receive Jesus, you receive what he did for you. You receive him. And we're gonna do that today. And you can begin today to experience the realness of God, the closeness of God, a new perspective of his goodness and his kindness. He wants to meet you right now. You have to open your heart to him and you have to invite him in. You have to receive what he did for you. I'm going to help you do that today. Let's pray together this evening. If you need to receive Jesus, I'm going to invite you to pray with me. We're going to pray a simple prayer. It doesn't have to be complicated. It's called the simplicity of the gospel. It's simple. You receive what Jesus did for you. You repent of sin. You turn away from it. And you follow him your whole life. Let's do that together. Would you pray with me? Those of you that are watching online, would you pray with me today? Don't let this day pass you by and you didn't receive God's forgiveness of sin and eternal life on the inside of you. Why don't you pray with me? Say it with me right out loud. Say, Father God, I receive what you did for me by sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sin to rise from the dead, to give me eternal life. I repent of sin. I invite you into my life. I want to know you. 
I want to hear your voice and I want to live with you. I want eternity to start today. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Thank you for loving me and thank you for hearing my prayer. Would you lift your hands and let me pray for you. Father, I pray for every person that right now repented of sin, wholeheartedly received you into their life. I pray, God, a new beginning start today. Even as they lay down tonight on their bed, they would hear your voice. I pray, God, for a visitation of the Holy Ghost. Fill them with power even right now. Fill them with your spirit. Spirit of God, come. Touch every person right now. Those here in the sanctuary, those online. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you receive Jesus for the very first time, I want to encourage you to contact us. Stop at the Next Steps desk. You can call the church. You can go on our website. Get engaged in knowing more about God. We have many ways to do that. We want to help you know more about the living God and the good things he has for you. I want to encourage you, read those books of the Bible. Uh, See you on Wednesday night. Come to prayer this week. If you can't be here, join us live. uh, 7 o'clock every morning, 7 to 8. Wednesday night, we're going to be here for Holy Ghost night. Children's ministry in the back. And we will see you then. Let me bless you on this Sunday night. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. May he turn his face toward you. And may he give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen. See you at prayer. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, You can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.